Hello, I'm Bastian. I have been building up companies for the last 10 years, mainly in the area of medtech, and I'm co-founder of Flynn, responsible for sales and finance. Hi, I'm Markus, and I spent my last 10 years hosting product management in companies such as N26. And in Flynn, I'm co-founder for topics around product and people. Flynn is a VC-funded early-stage company. Our software helps medtech companies to automate their quality and regulatory affairs processes. And in this podcast, we want to candidly share our lessons learned while building Flynn from the ground up. Hello. In today's podcast, we are diving into a very exciting topic in the topic of usability research for startups, for building new products, for any kind of actually focus on digital products today. And my co-founder, Marcus, he has done this for many years, being a product leader in digital products in very different spaces. And so, yeah, let's start into the topic. Let's kick it off. Marcus, what kind of interviews in specifically in the usability and UX specific space uh, do you want to mention? I will start a bit broader and actually talk generally about what type of product interviews and user research interviews you can differentiate. The first one is the customer interview where you try to learn who is the customer, what are their pain points, what are characteristics for that persona or for that customer group. And you just really, it's an interview conversation where you explore on a very broad level. Then you have the problem interview. So once you have identified a customer group or target group and a certain set of problems that these customers have, you might want to deep dive into a specific set of problems in their journey, in their day-to-day, -day, and want to explore what alternative solutions do they use to compensate or to do, yeah, deal with this problem, what are sub-problems of this problem. So really understanding a level deeper the problem side. Then you have solution interviews where you actually show possible solutions to the customer that can be your own solution that can be a prototype that can be a competitive solution but you basically show solutions and you learn about what solution could work with the value proposition in itself whether the meta workflow or the high level workflow is actually what they would expect and whether they are interested in in, in the overall proposal and then the deepest of all the most micro view is the usability testing which will be the focus of today where you really want to know The solution that I offer to the customer is that fulfilling this job. Can they actually, do they know how to navigate through this product and know how to use all of its sub features and elements to get the stuff done that they want to get done? And of course, you can combine all types of interviews. In the early days of a new product, you have a very strong customer focus. And in the later days, you might have a very strong only usability focus. Of course, you can combine and say, I do an hour where I spend the first 15 minutes exploring a customer. 20 minutes exploring a problem and then 20 minutes showing a solution. Cool. So Marcus, can we maybe go a bit deeper into the difference now between like, like this is the point, when is the point reached to go from the solution interview to a usability interview and what's the detailed differences then on, on that stage? So in the solution interview, you want to really understand most of all, whether customers are actually interested in this overall product solution and the value proposition. That means you might demo only a product to them, show them some screens, but not a fully clickable prototype. You don't you don't pay attention to details such as can they find a certain button? Is the the wording clear to them 
in every single detail? Do they know how to, I don't know, enter certain type of information? It's more like the overall solution needs to fit. At the end of that stage might be that you have validation through letters of intent or any type of commitment from a customer for a pilot. We say, okay, a customer is generally, generally excited enough to pay or invest time into a solution. And then you know, okay, we have now a decent group of clients that can be, depending on really on your industry, that can be three, five, 10, 15 clients who say, okay, I'm committed that if you deliver this solution to me to invest into it, that can be time for or money. While in the usability side, you really go into the nitty gritty details. And that comes with a bit of a delay. So there's usually a, a strong product management focus in customer problem and solution interview and a stronger design UX focus on the usability interview. However, a UX designer might support all parts of this journey, but also product manager might support and own all parts of this journey. This is not, this is, yeah, it's not set in stone. It's just there's a tendency that UX people own more the usability side of things and probably the solution exploration side of things. And so once you have a good confirmation that the value proposition that you try to offer the customer to solve the problem seems to have nailed it, that ideally is confirmed by some strong validation, then you can go into the details and say, okay, let's now figure out whether actually usability of that solution is also up to what they expect. Yeah, so I think this was a very important suggestion, like really be careful not to go too deep in the little nitty-gritty details of buttons and usability before you really have the buy-in of your customer persona. You have really the proven need and traction there. And so today, as we have talked a bit about this process before, the exploration, the, the discovery interviews, the, the problem interviews, solution interviews, today we want to really do the deep dive on the usability interview, right? And so Marcus, what are the best practices that you have seen and that you have done there to really get the best feedback out of the customer in terms of usability? Yeah, let's start with maybe the basics. I think one of the key things is to do this uh, continuous regular base and never stop really testing your usability, but keep on testing it even after you've launched a product. I see sometimes companies say, okay, usability done. We never do our usability again. Product is done. So all of this research is a continuous thing. If we look at usability testing now, it's ideally you have a click prototype or your really working product. You can do a usability test on both, depending on what the stage is. Assuming now you have not a live product that can be used yet, you might have a good click prototype that you or your designer team build based on like Figma or other design tools out there that you can basically send a link to the customer or user you want to test with you are, might be in a call or in person that doesn't really matter so much. You send them a link or you give them a device. Back in time in N26, we had phones prepared with different versions of prototypes on different phones to usability tested. And then you provide them, so to say, the, the access to, to the prototype. Ask them if you're remote to share the screen, to speak out loud. Any thoughts, you of course invite them as with all interviews and say, hey, there's no nothing that like you cannot hurt our feelings. There are no problems if you say something, give us critical feedback. It's not, we are not here to hear positive feedback and be pleased by you. We really want to hear the serious inputs and thoughts. And then you try to define exercises or scenarios 
the difficult thing here with defining the right scenario is not being too broad, but also not being too narrow. You don't want to give them just a very open thing to say, okay, just explore our product and give us feedback. Because usually you have certain research questions in mind. You have most of the time not enough time to discover all your questions and to ask all things. So you have to prioritize a little bit what are the elements where you want to have most feedback on, what are the elements that you want to go deeper into. And maybe in a follow-on feedback session after they've really used your product, you want to let them just give open whatever feedback they have. But when it's the first time or you have new concepts that you want to present, you want to have a bit more, like some guidance. But on the other hand, you also don't want to make it extremely narrow and take them by the hand and say, here is a button, click here, do this thing on that screen. So finding the right balance here is, is the tricky thing. You want to give them a task like, hey, here's our application then explain the scenario and say, you are a person, you want to book a flight for you and your partner for a weekend to Paris with our application. How would you go about this? And then let them do it. And so you describe a bit of a scenario, a stage they're in, and then see how they perform it. And then once they perform that case, you give them the next scenario, such as, okay, now assume you want to cancel your flight. Now assume you want to reach out to customer service. Now assume you want to share the cost or the invoice with your partner and look at what they do and how they interact with this. And you might want to ask some follow-up questions and say, hey, can you explain me what you did in this step or what you thought about the screen or can you explain me what is confusing here? And if the customer reach out to you and say, hmm, I'm not sure what to do here, never tell them the answer. Never tell them, hey, do this. But ask them, hey, what do you think you would do? What would you do if I'm not here? So this is very important that you're not giving them answers to the questions they might have, but rather look into this in a bit more detail. That's definitely a, was one of the most of the biggest learnings for me in general in research, like never give a customer an answer, but uh, follow up with questions. Cool. It was a very detailed description how you could go about it. It was like for me really picturesque. And so maybe if our listeners would like to Google also a little bit, how do you maybe have also some frameworks? in place that they could look up to get also more framework-oriented guidance on this process? Of course, there are tons of templates and frameworks. I would say one just general idea of how a usability test can be done and is that, and it's, it's even broader, a little bit broader than usability, you would use that more typically on your real product because we talked previously about the example of a prototype usability test. But of course, you can also just take your live product that is live and then perform actions with this is usually better because it works more smooth than typically a prototype would, but it has a limited set of, of features, of course. So one uh, exercise that you could do is kind of a f understand the feelings at every stage. And so, for example, if we in N26, we had a very complex sign-up process with multiple steps. And one interesting exercise was to call a customer just a day after they have signed up or half a day after they've signed up. And then, so that kind of the thoughts are quite fresh. And then interview them on every level of the step and say, what did you feel at this stage? You have, did you have any worries? What did you, what were your, like really understand the feelings at every stage of a funnel, for example. And then understand how you can optimize copy, the text, so the text that you see some, like on the, on the page to compensate on maybe some uncertainties and so on. So don't underestimate the copy when 
doing UX, I see a lot of designers or PMs not paying a lot of attention to this. I think it's very, very important to have a very precise to-the-point copy. And this is, for example, a way where there are good use case studies out there where they show, okay, just optimizing the copy a little bit can increase the conversion a lot. And this is an interview style. When you talk about feelings, you see, ah, customers are not sure. For example, when they've done this video verification in Intuit 6, when I click this button, will the video immediately turn on? Will I be asked something? Will it be the front camera or back camera? And certain uns- like things that were just not clear to the user that might put them in a bad feeling. So this feeling interview is a very interesting approach that you can go just after a customer went through a certain experience. Ideally, you do this on customers who really did something because then they experience the real feelings. If they'd only have been in a testing and you ask about the feelings, it can also be valuable, but might not be as valuable on the same level. And the second framework, and that's more of a like official framework, is the rainbow sheet. You can Google that. It's a very nice way to document your usability testing, where you basically you can use an Excel sheet and write down for every observation you have or for every challenge you see, you write down in each line the observation or the problem or the hurdle that they stumbled upon. And then in every column, you have basically one customer that has one color. And then you highlight, okay, customer one had problem one and problem three and problem five. And customer two had only problem two and eight. And so you kind of will see a pattern. So you try to quantify this quality data. So you quantify your observations. And this is a very nice way on documenting and seeing is a usability problem a one-off problem? Does a single user have this problem? Or is it like a pattern that every user stumbles upon something? And of course, it's extremely valuable once you've done a usability test, particularly in the early days of a new product, to go back to the same user and run as a usability test with an improved version again and see whether we still stumble upon certain things. So we've often seen you test the first version, after three or four tests, you see several obvious problems, you fix them, and then you observe whether you see the problems still. Of course, sometimes it's hard to get the same user in a conversation, but even having similar personas can be valuable in this. So Marcus, speaking about quantitative data, what number of sessions would you recommend our listeners to do for usability testing and also how to prioritize these sessions, right? Of course, we have to be as early stage startups, very pragmatic, but this is true basically for every company. Even if you're a large company, you never want to over-optimize. So I would clearly say keep on testing till you can predict about 80% of the problems, 80-90% of the problems, then the learning curve is flattening and it is too expensive to gain additional learnings. So run usability tests until you get the biggest problems out of the way. And this can be three, five, ten usability tests. And then keep running another round of usability tests once your product is live. Then do another round and see, okay, that can be combined with general feedback sessions about the product. In V2B, we do this quite regularly. We onboard a client and then two weeks later, we do a feedback session and combine this a little bit with with certain usability testing elements. And then whenever you make major changes to a product, you might want to do focused usability tests on a given feature, but you may also want to consider an overall broader usability test to just see how did certain big changes in the product impact the overall usage of this product. That's why I mentioned in the beginning that usability is something really continuous. And so initially, do something between three, three and ten probably goes gets you to the to the eighty percent, 
And then once you're live, you might do the same thing again. And after major changes, again. Very nice, very nice. So I remember from our own processes there that we went through that we usually tried to combine some user interviews because it's, as you might imagine, it's often not easy to get user time. It's very valuable, the time of them. So we tried to combine it with some experiments beside usability, for example, the buyer feature test that we did with some of them during our product discovery. So what's your thought on that? Like, is this a very common suggestion from your side or are there other tests that you could combine? The cool thing in experimentation is always if you combine many experiments into one thing. So in Flynn, I think we started initially having about 10, 15 customer interviews. Then we did another 15 to 20 mix of problem and customer and had another 10 as a mix of focus on solution, but with a bit of customer interviews. And once we had our LOIs and everything ready, one of our first hires was actually a, a product designer. We ran a lot of usability tests. And that was yeah, loaded quite to the back, so to say. And there are several experiments you can, of course, combine. But I think one of my favorite ones is the buy a feature exercise. How does it work? And yeah, maybe before that, we, you can combine that with both solution interview or even with a usability interview. You basically do your interview. You test whatever you want to test. And ideally, the customer gets a good overview of that new product or feature you want to show them. And then at the end, you give them a list of features they have seen during the test. And if it's digital, you might maybe on a mirror board map out one posted for each feature, five, six, seven, ten features. If you're doing it physically, you can even print out screenshots of these features and put it in front of you. So that's a really, really nice thing you can do to really make it tangible. So you want to basically give them an overview of, okay, these are the 10 features you have seen. And it can be small things such as the search bar, the sorting, the list view, the map view, like be creative. Like when feature, I mean, not the big, big, big features, but can like small features. Or if you show them a dashboard, a dashboard can be split in. Those are nine elements of the dashboard. And we, for example, used it in Flynn for evaluating our dashboard. So we show them again, okay, this is the set of features you have seen in this interview. Now we assign a price of credits, so to say, to every feature. And this is depending on the effort it will take you to deliver this feature. And you can make the price, you can make it easy, make one, two, three, four points, for example. And a four-point feature is a very expensive, very complex one. One point is very easygoing. You can use any scale you want, actually. And then you give the customer budget and say, okay, go shopping within the product you've seen. So let's say you have 10, like we took the dashboard, we had nine elements on the dashboard, I think if they would buy everything, it was like 20 points or so. And we give them 10 points and say, okay, what would you buy? Which features from this dashboard? And that was very good to see after we interviewed five or six customers that there were some customers that clearly took one thing, or all of them took one thing. And then we, had, we followed up and said, okay, why did you take this? Why do we hesitate here? What if we change the budget from 10 to 15? What would you take? What would you include? Or what if we go down to five points? This is a 10, 15 minutes exercise you can add at the end of every usability or some usability tests if you want to get a feeling for the priority a customer has for certain features. Because if you just ask them whether they want something, they will likely say, yes, I want this. But if you ask them, okay, do you want this more or that more or this more? Okay, this is a better test because you kind of let them prioritize. But in this feature buy, you let them prioritize and you even let them prioritize in a way that they also have to consider the kind of price for a feature. And that is a, yeah, you can Google, it's a very nice exercise you can actually combine for a prioritization method. 
So now we have gone through how we are going through the usability testing. We have also thought about how to add other tests to it, for example, like the buy feature test. And with the outcomes of this, right, what do you do then in terms of the backlog, in terms of prioritizing? There's, of course, also new features that you want to build. So how do you usually prioritize it in into the actual set, set it up in the development? I think in general, the prioritization keyword is a good one. I think you also need to do good prioritization in even before you start usability testing, because you can, in an hour of usability test or 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever you have, you cannot test everything. So you have to prioritize even within the flow of a product. Say, okay, what are the most critical points where users might drop off? Where are the biggest issues? And you need to prioritize and say, okay, for the most critical, the biggest UX risk, you might even design two or three or five, four variants and say, okay, I want to test variants. And we show first variant one, variant two, variant three, and compare this. So prioritization plays already a very big role in choosing what you want to test. I think that's one more point I want to add. And then, of course, I've seen many times in working with tech teams and working with product owners who have a lot of pressure on delivering new features, that new features are always prioritized on top of technical improvements, usability improvements. And so over time, the usability gets worse and worse and worse. So what we do at Flynn, and that's really basically based on my learnings of the last 10 years in building products, is we give in every sprint a little bit of room for one technical improvement, for one usability improvement, sometimes are two. So we have like, I don't know, about 10% of our sprint time spent on usability improvement, sometimes five, sometimes 15. So we basically take about one to two usability improvements in every sprint. They are prioritized by our designer and product manager, also in often close collaboration with the front-end engineering team, and they are identified through the various types of user testing or feedback and observations that we are running. It's very important to make continuous room and space for this so you're not building up a lot of design debt to the end, end up with a super complex product. We have also in Flynn, the product is only about seven, eight months on the market. We have already had quite a few Nice changes in usability where we realized, okay, here is a dropdown is not ideal. We rather want to use a different way of selecting the criteria. And that was uh, crucial for us. So to summarize today's session, we deeply looked into the usability interview, a special type of customer interview. And for that, we also generalistically looked how to get there, starting with the understanding the customer, with interviewing the customer, then going into the problem interview, and only when you have the problem, you sketch the solution. And this is the base for then going into a usability interview. And very important learning when you do these interviews, always ask further questions, never answer to the customer, right? Like if the customer doesn't understand, if they want to know something they couldn't get on immediately on first glance, then really ask what they would expect and ask what was their thought while doing that. You can also use some structured frameworks to make it more quantitative. For example, the Rainbow Framework, you can Google that one. And of course, use the time of the user's mindful, for example, by combining them with a test. You can use this opportunity to also get feedback, for example, on buyer decisions from a customer. What feature would they prioritize? What kind of the services would they prioritize? Yeah, last but not least, the recommendation of Marcus in how to implement this finally, these findings from usability, these optimizations into your actual product is by best practice 
saving some space in the backlog for and do it as a continuous process and don't see it as a one-off because it might never happen or you might have a huge delay in, in bringing this keep a bit space in the backlog for that and with that we are closing today's session we hope it was exciting and if you like it give us a like <laughs>